0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Capasso here from Com for another episode of the prospect podcast and today myself and my esteemed guest matthew collar of the purple insider podcast are going to go back and continue the quarterback conversation series with ohio state quarterback justin fields who after that sugar bowl game uh against clemson where they scored 50 points and he looked like the better quarterback between him and trevor lawrence there was even some speculation could he go number one overall he's locked himself into that number two spot with the Jets and ever since then he's just stock seems to be falling and falling and falling we're going to talk about why everything about his game pro comparison I'll read from my scouting uh, notebook my scouting report on Justin Fields but just to start and then I'll kick it over to you Matt uh, I think Justin Fields is almost getting to the point now where he's a little bit underrated uh, and then normally we reserve like the term underrated for like a third or a fourth round pick that could be good he's still going to go almost assuredly somewhere inside the top half of round one but that stock decreasing over the last couple months when nothing like literally nothing has happened even Zach Wilson and Justin Fields obviously were not at the senior bowl no combine no pro days yet uh it just kind of become common knowledge or widely assumed that Zach Wilson not only will go number two overall but he's just a better quarterback prospect I think Justin Fields is a little bit underrated because he doesn't process coverages. And I don't think he had to as quickly as Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson. But in terms of an athletic standpoint, we've talked about it ad nauseum, how teams want the athleticism, the high level athletes at the quarterback spot. Justin Fields is a high level athlete. He has a big arm. And for the first four or five games in that big Ten schedule this season, he was like one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football. And to be this big arm guy that wants to run around a lot to see like an 80% completion percentage and and a really high accuracy percentage as well was really impressive Two kind of red flaggy games, Northwestern and Indiana um, that did give him some fits in coverage and rewatching those games recently uh, to kind of finalize my, quarterback grades the Ohio State offensive line kind of got beat up in both of those games surprisingly against a bunch of two and three star guys at Northwestern and Indiana but I really think Justin Fields fits the mold of today's quarterback big arm not a a crazy surgical processor like Tom Brady or Drew Brees uh athletic big arm I think the team that ultimately picks him will get a franchise quarterback what do you think Matt
1: I think so, too, and it's funny about um, – what is it? Is it Jay-Z who said, they love me, now they hate me, now they love me again? I mean, that sort of feels yes. like a little bit of how we've looked at the draft stock of some of these quarterbacks where it's been – I mean, even – like Zach Wilson has sort of been ascending, ascending, ascending to the point where now it looks like he might go number two overall. But with Justin Fields, he played those two games where he struggled, and it just seemed a little chaotic. There were guys out with COVID, and his team around him wasn't quite as strong, and they found ways to blitz him and pressure him. And he did not have great answers for that. And I watched both of those games and went... Uh, Justin, you're going to have to figure that out, my friend, because that is what the NFL is like. But also, we have to keep in mind that every one of these quarterbacks is a projection based on tools. And sometimes we get too caught up on, well, you played it this way or had this shortcoming. Well, right. I mean, that's why you get to the NFL and then you develop and you improve. And I think that, you know, when there's comparisons to Dwayne Haskins and things like that, that's totally unfair to Justin Fields because – Dwayne Haskins clearly was not committed to the thing. I mean, the way that he acted mm-hmm. in Washington was outrageous in this last yeah. year to the point where they were forced to get rid of him. And even if you go back the year before when he won his first game, he forgot to go out in the victory formation. They had to send the backup quarterback out there. Like, that was a guy that, you know, I don't know that was mentally really there. I don't get that sense from Justin Fields. I love seeing his leadership. I don't like seeing unpaid athletes get hurt badly and stay in games when, uh, you know, that might impact their futures. But I'll say this. You get hurt in the NFL. You have to play through injuries in the NFL. You've got to show toughness and leadership, and you have to guide an organization kind of on your back if you're going to be a true franchise quarterback. And the fact that he stayed in and he played well and he gritted through it I mean, you have to give him extra points for that. So then you add that on top of what the tools are, a monster arm, athleticism that is through the roof. He does not, in my mind, have a playmaking type of attitude necessarily where he's thinking I'm going to run out, uh, run around and roll out. And uh, he's not Shane Falco when it comes to that from uh, the replacements. You <laughs> remember Shane Falco was always replaced. That's not Justin Fields, but at the same time, I think in the right system, it could really maximize everything he can do as a thrower. The one thing that concerns me is it took him over three seconds to release the ball from snap to release, according to PFF. And you go, You better shorten that up because even the slowest NFL quarterbacks are not doing it that slow. But that's why he would have to get somewhere and start to develop and then see where he goes. But I think as a ceiling, he is franchise quarterback that you want, especially with the downfield passing trend in the NFL. That's exactly the type of arm and accuracy down the field you're looking for.
0: Yeah, and going back to the Northwestern and the Indiana game, so he threw a bunch of interceptions in those games and really didn't throw, like, any interceptions. Uh, I think, like, one or two other interceptions, like his entire stay in Columbus with the Buckeyes. One of the interceptions against Indiana uh, was, like, a tip pass. It got bobbled, like, five times. It got picked up. It was not the best decision. Another one, there was a deep middle safety, and he was trying to throw, like, a seam route. And I rewatched that play because, Even from the broadcast angle, they went back and showed the replay from behind uh, Justin Fields. And you can almost see, I believe it was Garrett Wilson his really good young wide receiver. Who's probably going to be a first round pick next year. Uh, Like he started to come inside and then he stayed on the hash mark and kind of drifted away from the ball and the ball still almost got there. So I don't know if that was a little bit of a miscommunication or not. Um, The one Against Northwestern in the end zone was a tremendous like one-armed grab by the cornerback. Great play, maybe a little bit underthrown. And then another interception against Northwestern was clearly a miscommunication where he thought uh, his wide receiver was going to hook it up near the sideline, and he continued down the field. It was like a gimme interception. So looking at those interceptions... Uh, which were the real red flags. Like how come all of a sudden he played a little bit better competition, even in the big 10. And then he threw a bunch of picks. I don't know if they all were like, just he did not know what he was doing. I think there was some miscommunication with his wide receivers. Uh, but yeah, I I think a lot of the same things you do about him that he's kind of unfairly been judged over the last uh, couple months. And it's so weird because normally, and we talk about bias on this podcast a lot that, Bowl game bias is a real thing. And Justin Fields played really good against Clemson. Awesome. And then even though Ohio State was clearly overmatched from the start against Alabama, I thought he made a lot of good throws in that game too. So normally, like, you play well, especially in the college football playoff. You catapult yourself up boards and you are – like, in a a normal situation, I feel like Justin Fields and Zach Wilson there would be like a legitimate battle for who is the consensus number two quarterback and who will go number two overall and that's just really not the case right now, and I'm kind of confused as to why
1: yeah, going into this season, there was a conversation about whether Justin Fields had a chance to even pass Trevor Lawrence now that kind of went away as we went along, and Trevor Lawrence played mostly really well, but even if you're trying to judge. Those bowl games, I mean, one of the problems is Alabama's just so good, and Ohio State was so good going up against Clemson, it's like, what am I supposed to do here when the matchup is just not fair? It wasn't fair with Alabama against Ohio State, and I don't know what I'm supposed to make of you know, how a quarterback is playing under pressure in college. Because I've heard people say, hey, man, that's what you want to look for. You want to look for that pocket presence. You want to look for how they play under pressure. But the data kind of points us to in the NFL that nobody is consistent when playing under pressure. And even we see this from Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl that now that was a historic amount of pressure that he faced. Yeah. The team. But even the best quarterback in the NFL, you can go back throughout history. If you're getting a ton of pressure on Tom Brady and you're the New York Giants in the Super Bowl, you've got a chance to beat the greatest of all time. So am I supposed to say, well, Bama pressured him, and then he wasn't able to do the same things? Well, what quarterback really is, now he does have a counter to the pressure, just like Mahomes has some mobility, uh, but he has more playmaking. But the the speed where you've seen Justin Fields just take off and he can get 15 or 20 yards if he decides he's going to run, that's a nice counter to pressure. So even if he has a little bit of that, but I do see there is a skittishness a little bit in the pocket. There is a commitment sometimes to I'm going to stay here too long and I'm going to wait and I'm going to wait and I'm going to wait. And sometimes you think, If you're doing that in the NFL, someone's strip-sacking you, more likely than not, if you're just kind of Mm -hmm. standing in there and waiting for your play to develop and not trying to escape and and move out of there. But in terms of, like, what has happened with his stock, I think it's – Probably going to be one of those eye of the beholder type of things because normally this would be, okay, this guy is the clear-cut number two uh, behind Trevor Lawrence, and we don't even need to have a conversation about anybody else. But Zach Wilson's insane rise and insane play, honestly, it was so much fun. We'll get to that one. Yeah. And then the intrigue of Trey Lance, you could see... Teams saying, I'd rather have Trey Lance because he's got this insane upside and we can develop him. I could see some teams saying, well, Mac Jones is the more developed, in-the-pocket, accurate, traditional quarterback, if you will. Even though I think there's more traditional quarterback to Fields than people want to say. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I I mean, that's where it's really hard to figure out. Like, his stock... Based on mock drafts and based how people are talking and reporting, I mean, we've seen some analysts say, well, he could be the one who drops, and others saying, no, he's going to be locked in at number two. So I don't have a great sense for it. What I know is that a guy with his type of accuracy and arm strength, that you can work around those other things, that you can develop those other things, and especially with the way that systems are set up, and I mentioned this to you before, but the Shanahan, the Kubiak, the play actions, the rollouts, all those things are kind of set up to say, even if you have this particular weakness that you're not a stand in the shotgun and go read, 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 throw the ball. If you're not that guy, which I don't think he is, then, then you could still work with those other raw tools and have a really good quarterback.
0: Yeah. And I think, in, and like, this might sound hot take alert a little bit, but I think when you combined Justin Fields arm strength and what we saw over two seasons from him in the accuracy department, like he is the best Uh, of any of the quarterbacks even Trevor Lawrence even Zach Wilson if you're saying I want a quarterback that has a really big arm and he's really accurate I think certainly Trevor Lawrence would check those boxes too I think Justin Fields checks them more emphatically than Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson because he I totally agree with you has an absolute cannon can throw it 65 yards or can just laser beam the football from the far hash that NFL throw we always hear about in college from the far hash on a deep out route or a deep comeback Um, One other point that I want to say, and it's going to kind of segue into me reading my scouting report for my uh, grading system on Justin Fields and then my uh, comparison is that in that Northwestern and in the Indiana game, even rewatching them again, I think Justin Fields, although he does tend to want to run with the football when he feels pressure more so than like Zach Wilson wants to like spin out of it and find someone down the field and throw it sidearm and still put it on the money. He, I think Justin Fields is very good at, like, escaping, like, crazy escapes from the pocket. Like, where there's times in that Indiana game where I was, like, positive he was going down. Like, he was, there was a blitzer that he either didn't see or his center missed or the running back was not in the right position for, oh, he's going to go down with a sack. And he, like, spins out of it, puts his hand on the ground, throws it like a shortstop to his back uh, as a check down. I think that's where you see, really, the athleticism. Not just the speed, but just his natural athleticism really stand out. I think he does need to get a little bit better uh, just making plays with his arm. That So much of the improvisation today that we talk about is getting outside the pocket and then still keeping your head up and finding someone 20, 30, 40 yards down the field. I don't know if he's at Zach Wilson or even Trevor Lawrence's level uh, in that regard yet, but escapes from inside the pocket when he looks dead to rights i think is a very uh impressive almost bonus or a luxury when it comes to justin fields Uh, all right now i'm going to go into my grading system here's what i have written for him you don't have to give me a, a a huge if you agree or disagree but just tell me what you think about this he's my number three quarterback he is behind zach wilson but the grades are very close zach wilson not that this means anything the numbers but He's at an 8.87 to me, anywhere near nine, you're talking about like a top five selection. And this is before position edition, obviously, and Zach Wilson or and uh, Justin Fields is at 8.84. So they're very close. Classic textbook delivery, but not exactly quick. Very live arm that can drive the ball on any throw. He's a natural, sudden athlete who will be useful in the design run game and can create from inside the pocket and outside as a scrambler with pressure mounting. Accuracy is high-end to all levels of the field. He's very comfortable. Uh, I always lose my – sorry, it's kind of tiny print. Very comfortable and impressive throwing on the run in rare occasions. Tries to do too much when improvising, but he typically knows when to throw it away. More of a scrambler out of structure than a throw-on-the-run creator. He can create amazing escapes from pressure. He sees plenty of wide-open receivers at Ohio State on its first read and was rarely pressured. I would like to see more instances when he gets through his progressions, but simply hadn't needed to in college.
1: Yeah, the part about the progressions is very tough. Because I remember with Lamar Jackson, you heard a lot of people saying, like, he doesn't go through his progressions. Now, that wasn't true if you watched Lamar (laughs) Mm -mm. Jackson. But also, I want to know how many guys in college have as complicated of – Offenses as the NFL does. The answer is none. No one. And and the other part of it too is that NFL offenses, if you go by the PFF data, sixty-five to seventy percent of the time the quarterback is already throwing to the first read. So Mm -hmm. I don't think that it's a
0: it's overrated.
1: Yeah, right. I don't think it's a super fair criticism. I also don't know that a lot of us who are not uh, JT O'Sullivan on YouTube or something know exactly what the reads and progressions would be for certain mm-hmm. concepts. And so how sure. can you say, like, oh, his helmet was pointed that way, so he must have been reading this to this to this. It's like – do you really know that, though? I mean, that's, mm. that's, a, you know, that's, that's kind of a gray area, I think, of when we say that. So if he's making accurate throws on his first read, you want to give him a lot of credit for that because he's going to have to do that in the NFL. I think it's not to belabor the point, but it's such a fascinating part of his game, is how you can use the athleticism as a team because I think he has running ability that is not quite Mike Vick. Um, some people have said Cam Newton in terms of just that he's powerful and he's big and he's so fast. If you're willing to use that as a team, you get extra value and it actually raises his floor. Because even if he doesn't turn out to be this perfect quarterback, think of someone like uh, Tyrod Taylor, where if you would play Tyrod Taylor, I don't think he's good at a lot of stuff. But at the same time, being able to take off a game 20 yards at any moment and having this playmaking ability in space, it allows you to keep drives going. It allows you to Mm -hmm. miss your first read, make a mistake, have somebody rush after you, and you run for 20 yards. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons Vince Young won a lot of games in the NFL, despite being not a very good passer, was he was just able to find a way. And so now you're talking about a guy who's more talented than Tyrod Taylor, a better passer than someone like Vince Young. And that that really uh, Really intrigues me from that perspective if you're drafting him, that you have to make that part of the game or you're going to miss out a lot. But also, if you do make that part of the game, you can win when he doesn't play well. I'll give you an example. Uh, or pass well, Jalen Hurts this year, he had a game where he ran for over 100 yards, didn't pass the ball really accurately, and yet was still able to come out with a win. I think that Philly scored something like 24 points that you can make up for that. And I think there's a lot of that in Justin Fields' games. It's important that wherever he goes, they make that a priority.
0: Okay, now let's go to the teams that we think will be good fits for Justin Fields, or just maybe only one. And then a team or two that we would not like Justin Fields to land. Um, I can start, you were just talking about it. I think Philadelphia would be a fantastic fit. I'm starting to kind of like the idea of having like a backup quarterback that like has a different skill set from the starter that can kind of teach early on in, in his career. I think me being in Buffalo, like the Matt Barkley, Josh Allen dynamic, I think kind of worked out a little bit. We've talked about how good of a mentor, someone like Teddy Bridgewater would be the Panthers are sitting there at number eight overall but I think with a lot of what Philly did last year and yes they have a new head coach but to have two quarterbacks um, with this young head coach Nick Sirianni um, that can get really creative I mean I I think we're going to assume that this young coach is going to want to kind of use his quarterback in the new age type of way Uh, I think that would be a kind of an advantageous situation for that franchise to to not have to kind of build two different offenses um, and that you could even use Jalen Hurts as kind of like an early Colin Kaepernick type role when they had Alex Smith there in San Francisco um, to kind of, if you wanted to use two quarterbacks, you could do it that way. I think, and that's kind of insinuating that I think Justin Fields would win that job outright um, as a rookie and for everything that, that people are saying, and I think you just brought up all the good points, like how much do we really have to care or should we care about, how quickly they read through their progressions. I think Justin Fields is pretty much ready to play. Two full years in the Big Ten. Well, I guess not full years, but, but two years as a full-time starter. Um, you would like to see three or obviously four, but I think what we saw from him in those two seasons was impressive enough that he's ready to play. Uh, so that would be the team that I would really like. I, I don't really know of a team that I – Absolutely hate. So give me a few minutes, Matt. Tell me the team that you definitely like for Justin Fields and maybe the one that you don't like so much.
1: Well, when you're looking at the top of the draft where he's going to go, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to say, oh, I couldn't imagine him going to this place or that place or that place because most of them need quarterbacks, and that's what makes this draft so interesting. I think the best fit for Justin Fields is the Atlanta Falcons. Because they are going to run the Tennessee Titans system with Arthur Smith. That means a lot of play action, a lot of crossing routes, a lot of deep shots down the field on crossing routes and things like that. Um, Maybe setting him – Now, he's not an under center guy at Ohio State. Nobody is really in college. But setting him up under center to run play actions a lot and create these open spaces with linebackers getting sucked up and then giving him opportunities on the rollout to decide, this one's going to be my number and I'm going to go get 15 or 20 yards, that's something we don't see used too often with really athletic quarterbacks. But I I really believe that if you put a super athletic quarterback in, In a Jimmy Garoppolo type of situation or in a, you know, Ryan Tannehill is pretty athletic, but he's not quite Justin Fields level. Um, You know, if you put him in that situation, I think he's got Tannehill type arm talent where he can really go down the field. If you give him time, you give him play actions and then he can use that athleticism. I love that fit. I also love the fact that he would be able to sit. And they play Matt Ryan, and they try to win some games, and then they hand the ball over to Justin Fields. I'm always looking for that situation where a player can sit. And I also love San Francisco for him. If he is the guy that drops San Francisco, don't overthink it. They are already talking about moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. And imagine Kyle Shanahan for the first time in his life with an actual athlete quarterback. Who's the best quarterback Kyle Shanahan's coached in terms of athleticism? Is it Johnny Manziel? I think it's Johnny Manziel.
0: Wow. Wow. You're right. I think yeah, that would be a really fun fit. We talked about that for Trey Lance. I thought that would be a home or a dream come true for that organization if they got Trey Lance. Justin Fields kind of is in the same boat that he's high caliber athlete with a big arm that would really work wonders in that zone blocking scheme, stretch plays to the left, bootleg play action to the right. I think that would be perfect for him. Kind of read half the field if they are worried about that. I don't know if he'll fall this far and maybe this is like, it's weird how it's become the case. I would not like him in New England. I don't know if I would like any young quarterback in New England, given the state of their offense, especially going from Ohio state where pretty much your wide receivers and your tight ends are more athletic, faster than all their competition. I don't really know what the Patriots are going to have. And I don't really have a lot of uh, faith really in, in Bill Belichick bringing in the right wide receivers. It's been very strange how bad at drafting and bringing in wide receivers he's been in 20 years of dominance with Tom Brady. Um, so I, I wouldn't like New England. And I think this is going to be a podcast first. I'm going to disagree with you about the Falcons. It seems, and like here's why. I understand the thinking that sit behind Matt Ryan, but looking at Matt Ryan's contract, and we know that, you know, you can get out from any deal. You can make a trade. Uh, he's had a $40 million cap hit this season, and it's over $41 million in 2022. But there's still a lot of dead cap even in 2022. I believe it's like over $20 million. And I think Justin Fields is ready to play. So I think uh Matt Ryan being such really a legend in that franchise, I don't think it's going to be easy for the Falcons to just move on from him. And I think, and you've alluded to it in the past, that Matt Ryan in this Arthur Smith offense with a healthy Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, they might go wide receiver. They could go offensive line, maybe shore up the defense, bringing a playmaker at number four. I think Matt Ryan is going to play really well. So even if they do go Justin Fields, I almost think wasting a year or two with him really on the bench with this very uh, established quarterback that's just getting into his late thirties. I think that would actually be kind of a waste trade Lance there. I would absolutely love that. Um, And yes, I think Justin Fields in that Arthur Smith system would be perfect. I would just want to see him play before 2022 or 2023.
1: Yeah, I guess the way I look at it is anybody who's a rookie quarterback that has to sit, if Mahomes did it, if Aaron Rodgers did it, (laughs) then you can, right? Then it it could work for you. Uh, Fair enough on the Matt Ryan situation. If you're Atlanta and you're saying, look, we've only got two more years of this guy uh, with his age that he's eventually going to fall apart here and his, like you said, salary cap situation's not great, go all in on that I just look at that team and I go are they close because I don't think yeah. Uh, yeah I don't think they're that close they might think they are and they might think they're only a couple pieces away and that they should draft somebody else there another weapon or whatever a Sewell another lineman they have built up a decent offensive line that seems to be improving with some of their young draft picks maybe that's their the way that they go I just think any time you have a chance to pick somebody who's a really good fit for your system, who can sit for a year and then take over as your franchise quarterback, you shouldn't pass up on it. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Now, let me counter to your Philadelphia point. That whole... Setup is just falling apart. I mean, they they don't have good (laughs) receivers. Um, It looks like um, their first-round pick from last year is not going to work out. Uh, You know, Alshon Jeffrey is uh, old. They're going to be gone. Deshaun Jackson is gone. Their offensive line has come apart over the last couple of years. And I don't know what kind of system they were going to play. But if they were going to play a system where they put him in the shotgun, sit him back there, and tell him to go pick everybody apart – I don't know that that's actually a good fit for him. It is at Ohio State. It is for everybody at Ohio State. Is that for him in the pros? I'm not sure. But he would have a chance even there to wait on if Jalen Hurts was going to play out of camp and then eventually pick it up midway through. It's not like every quarterback who plays right away turns out to be garbage or something. like. It's like most <laughs> no, it's guys true. can overcome it. I just like the idea of them sitting. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there are some situations early in the draft that don't maybe bode well for somebody right away that maybe long-term could end up working out. Philadelphia is probably one of those.
0: Yeah. Just looking at the top 10, just quickly on uh, his team fits. What we're bringing up is that a lot of these teams, I'm just looking at the list here uh, that are picking in the top 10, like they're obviously not good teams and they don't like have good collections of wide receivers. Like I think Trevor Lawrence stepping in with DJ shark and LaVisca Chanel is great. Jets, no. Dolphins, probably not going to pick a quarterback, with decent. Falcons, yes, they do. But then Philly, Detroit. I think Carolina is a sneaky team. And to have DJ Moore, they're yes. going to probably lose Curtis Samuel. But they're clearly, like, they've made it known that they want to be in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Uh, I think that would be a good situation for him. The defense needs a complete... I don't know about overhaul because they already they drafted all defense last year, but it needs to get a lot better. I think Carolina is a sneaky team that would make a lot of sense. Uh, you get kind of that Teddy Bridgewater mentorship for a season. That would be a good one. Um, now to my favorite part. Oh, one last thing I wanted to say about the Falcons. Their new GM, Terry Fontenot, was like a lifer in New Orleans with the Saints. And what have they done? They have ridden out Drew Brees right. as yeah. long That's as right. humanly possible, kicked the can. So maybe – Terry Fontenot comes there and says, let's do what we did in New Orleans and you know ride out this potentially Hall of Fame quarterback for as long as we can. Or maybe we say, hey, I was whatever, the assistant GM, and I wanted us to move on from Drew Brees, but we never did, and goes in a different direction. So when the Falcons go on the clock at number four, like have that in mind that their new GM was – In New Orleans, he should certainly know Matt Ryan pretty well from playing him twice a season. uh, But just that dynamic of how long they've held on to Drew Brees. And one other point on this, I remember when the Bills hired Brandon Bean, and he was the assistant GM in Carolina under Dave Gettleman. And, like, Dave Gettleman would, like, only draft defensive linemen and linebackers early, and he, like, neglected the offensive line. So when they drafted Josh Allen, I was like, oh, God, is this – is this guy just gonna like neglect offensive line and just try to win game seventeen fourteen? And he did the opposite in free agency. Brandon Bean signed like six offensive linemen. They drafted Cody Ford in the second round uh, two years ago. So just because Terry Fontenot was in New Orleans with the Saints under that you know long and very successful Drew Brees tenure doesn't mean they'll necessarily write out Matt Ryan. But it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, at number four with the Falcons now to my favorite part. And I, I am a draft analyst that does not shy away from player comparisons. I think they're very useful and they help readers and listeners like understand truly the type of player that a prospect is. This is just stylistic. It's not, uh, I'm projecting in four years, he will have the exact same career, obviously different situations. I think Justin Fields reminds me so much of Deshaun Watson and let me hear or, Just kind of hear me out here. Uh, They're both pretty athletic quarterbacks. They're not 6'5", 240. They're around 6'3", 220, something like that. A little bit on the smaller side. Um, Very athletic. Pretty big arms. Love to stretch it vertically. That's really their game. They're pretty accurate down the field. They're good deep ball throwers. And early in his career with the Texans, no, the offensive line wasn't good. But Deshaun Watson held the ball too long and took a lot of sacks. Yep. And after year two or year three, where people knew how talented he was and how good he could be, and we would see 40, 50, 60 sacks, some people, and I think PFF dove into this, that, yeah, a lot of it was on Deshaun Watson holding the football or running into a sack. I don't think at Clemson or even today, he is this deft pocket mover that will just drift away from pressure, keep his head up, like Peyton Manning or Drew Brees or Tom Brady in the pocket, he gets outside of structure. Can he run? Yes. Is he uh, Michael Vick? Is he Tyrod Taylor? No, but I think he can pick up, you know, a first down on third and long if everyone's blanketed, or he just doesn't really read the coverages that quickly. I don't really think that's a strength of Deshaun Watson's game. And I think another way that this is kind of all tying together is that Deshaun Watson uh, was not the first quarterback picked in his draft. That's that Mitchell Trubisky right. went in front of him and, uh, Justin Fields is probably going to be the third quarterback off the board. So, and he kind of had the same thing. They win the national title uh, against Alabama, and then it's like, oh, all, why is he not going to be the first quarterback? Like, he had this illustrious career at a marquee program, uh, was in the college football playoff, played Alabama tough, then beat Alabama, and then he's the third quarterback off the board. Like, I think it's a similar path, and stylistically, Justin Fields reminds me a lot of Deshaun Watson. I just hope that when Justin Fields, is in the NFL he'll certainly land in a better situation than what Deshaun Watson has fallen into but that he also stays really aggressive like Deshaun Watson has that Deshaun Watson did not turn into a dink and dunk quarterback from his rookie season on he's been one of the highest uh, quarterbacks in average or intended air yards down the field I want to see that from Justin Fields as well so Deshaun Watson is my stylistic comparison for Justin Fields, who do you have, Matt?
1: Uh, I like it a lot, um, especially here, there's an element with Justin Fields of like, look, NFL, don't overthink this. All right, don't. Talk that was Watson, too. Yes, exactly. Do not talk yourself into, well, I don't know. He's got this problem, that problem. He had that one game that didn't go well. I remember Peyton Manning throwing like five picks in a Tennessee game once. I mean, it happens. Sometimes games don't go right for you. And especially this year, harder to tell when games go wrong. And I think there was a COVID element to the games that he struggled in. Don't let one game make you think that this is not a guy that you should pick. You should pick him. I mean, his statistics are outstanding his tools are outstanding like this is a guy you should go for and not overly nitpick and like you said they did with Deshaun Watson Fields throws the ball harder I think than Watson did but that was Mm -hmm. the issue well you know his velocity miles per hour throwing the ball at the combine or something remember but (laughs) what's funny about that is that Kirk Cousins has one of the hardest throws at the how how is that possible because Kirk Cousins has <laughs> – there's a reason for this. He has a really good, like, technical wind-up and throw. And if you're just standing there and you're just winding up but, – but how often do you do that? I mean, in a real game, you got to drop back, make a decision, let it loose. You have to throw it off balance, all those different things. And when Cousins has to do that and rely on just his arm and not the whole torque of, like, an outfielder throwing on a crow hop – well, then he doesn't have the same arm strength. So I, I think that that mm-hmm. number doesn't mean anything, but it, maybe for some NFL teams it did. I got a couple, and I like all of them, as you might expect. I have <laughs> what Marcus Mariota was supposed to be in mm. Justin Fields. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I like that. Love it. Um, Sort of same needs. I think he does need to be in a play-action type of system. In college, he played wide open and had all these big statistics and everything else. And then in the NFL, there was just this inconsistency element to Marcus Mariota's game and inaccuracy at times that was surprising compared to when he came out. Uh, But Justin Fields, I think, will maintain his accuracy into the NFL. So there's number one. Your 90s comp was Aaron Brooks. Because he was a oh. great, yeah, great ass. Is that 50th percentile? That's uh, Yeah, you know, that's probably 50th percentile. I have I have a um, if-it-doesn't-go-well guy, too. Um, okay. So that's it. another one. Aaron Brooks was a guy that was not necessarily this, like, Mike Vick or Dante Culpepper, I'm going to pull it down and gain 50 yards. But he could if he wanted to. And he had a laser. That was the other thing. Yes, Aaron he did. Really throw it. But there were times where you'd go, and what happened there, Aaron Brooks? Why'd you throw the ball backwards, if anyone's ever seen that? <laughs> he huh? did. He did. He did. Like, uh, huh? And, and that was kind of the Northwestern game with Fields. Like, what you doing there, buddy? Uh, so maybe that, that's like 50%. The 25th percentile is David Carr. Because David Carr was this big, really great athlete, ran like a four six. But what was his big problem? First of all, his team was garbage, but he also held on to the ball forever. <laughs> got, it would, even when they improved the Texans roster around him, sack, 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 sack. And I think that that is possible, and he was not a playmaker yeah. despite his athleticism. It's like possible that that could be what Justin Fields turns out to be if it doesn't work. I've got one more for the 90s. What Rich Gannon could have been if you took old Rich Gannon and young Rich Gannon
0: and put them together. Oh, there's my most yes.
1: 90s comp. That yeah. Hey,
0: I'm all for when there's, like, adjectives at the beginning, like old Rich Cannon and young Rich Gannon. That's a really good one, too, because he was hyper-accurate, too.
1: He was, and at a young age, though, he was actually drafted to become a running back, and then he ended up saying he didn't want to be a running back. He wanted to be a quarterback, so he played for the Vikings very early in his career, and you know, he had his ups and downs. He really just didn't quite develop. He ends up going to Kansas City is kind of a backup there, and then he is revitalized at the end of his career and is insanely accurate all of a sudden. And, and well, I think that Fields is very accurate, very athletic like a running back like Rich Gannon was. There you go. Old and young Rich Gannon.
0: And I don't want to force one on you, but I know that you've told me off-air that you see a lot of Ryan Tannehill in Justin Fields. Is that one that you've... Okay. So, like, can you kind of expand on that? Because I think that's a really good modern-day one. If we have any younger listeners that are like, Bitch Gannon, <laughs> Rich like, Gannon? Like, what the hell? Yeah, uh, that is true. The
1: reason I, I see him as Ryan Tannehill is... Today's Ryan Tannehill. Today's Ryan Tannehill. Not the playing for the Adam offense. Gase, I'm sorry that happened to you, Ryan Tannehill. But the... <laughs> Tannehill was a wide receiver when he was in college. So he's got great athleticism and he does not throw the ball super quick. Like he doesn't have this Jimmy Garoppolo, like short catcher, like throwing motion. He's got a longer throwing motion, but when guys are open down the field, he could throw lasers, but that's what he needs to succeed. And I think it's this way with fields. I don't see him as being so laser sharp at the line of scrimmage, like Tom Brady or something. He's going to pick you apart all over the place. I see him as much more of, you've got to scheme guys open for him down the field. But if you do, he's going to throw the heck out of those footballs. And then if you need him to make a play with his legs, he'll do it. They don't really have Tannehill run a lot, but they could, I think, with his athleticism. His injury history would tell you probably don't do that. But Fields doesn't have that. So, yeah, I I see a lot of similarities for what they need to be at their absolute best.
0: Yeah, all right. I think that pretty much covers everything Justin Fields. Team fits 90s, multiple 90s comparisons, Rich Gannon, a bunch of them thrown out there. We're going to continue the quarterback conversation series. We're getting near the top. Uh, Zach Wilson will be the next episode. And we might do things a little bit differently because to just talk about Zach Wilson and praise Trevor Lawrence, we might do things a little bit differently with those next two podcasts coming on the Prospect Podcast. For Matthew Collar, I'm Chris Trapasso.